episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley. We are going to talk about something very special. Uh, Danny was talking about it before we were recording, and I said, shut up, we're going to talk about that in the podcast. And so I don't know what he was even going to say. But we are going to talk about Danny's most recent trip to Belgium, which I think he got back yesterday, and then maybe a little bit about my night vision hog hunt that I got coming up this week. Because we're just cool people doing cool things all the time. <laughs> At the same time, once in a year. Yeah, once a year, I do something cool, and the rest of the time is boring. So now we're going to talk about it. And then just so you guys know, this was supposed to be our season finale, but because I've unearthed so much drama around Hiram Stevens' maxim that blows our poor description of the conspiracy theory out of the water, doesn't even scratch the surface. We're going to give you one more episode after this one to talk about it. So if you guys know anything more about Hiram Stevens Maxim other than the fact that he was a bigamist and also maybe multiple people and also claimed to have invented the light bulb please let us know what Ashley's saying is we're stalling until we can dig up all the dirt yeah we 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 need another week to dig up some dirt so yeah um so Danny you, you were in Belgium I was in tell Belgium. us a uh, well the thing what were you we're... talking about when I hopped on this call you were talking about breakfast the thing I was about to say is this is this is a, an American travesty. Is we should be nationally embarrassed, um, because when you get hotel breakfast in the states, like a good one is you get like maybe some scrambled eggs, some bacon, maybe like a little yogurt station and like a bagel station, and maybe some fresh fruit. Like if that's your like continental breakfast, like free breakfast at a hotel, like that's, that's a lot for a continental. Continental means like pastries. Yeah, so. I guess I should say if that's like oh, your don't forget though don't forget the little waffle machine yeah and there's maybe a little waffle or pancake machine those are those are pretty ubiquitous at like U.S. hotels where like the breakfast is included and it's not like a separate restaurant because it kind of goes out the window when there's like a separate restaurant which you got to pay for which I really hate for I don't mind if that's like your dinner option in a hotel that's fine but when that's your breakfast option that really that really riles me up um, you just got to get hotel status and then you get breakfast comped yeah that again right i i don't like that system i i like a good hotel included breakfast and i was fine are that. you the communism of hotel breakfast <laughs> yes i the socialism yeah. of hotel breakfast, breakfast for all all the time um so anyways anyways that to me was a fine standard until i went to belgium and let me tell you what they absolutely put us to shame in included. Now, the one thing I will say is that you do have to like, you can book the room without breakfast or you can book it like breakfast included. So it was like two different price rates. And it was more- So you were paying for breakfast, Danny? So you were paying for breakfast included <laughs> with the room. However, their breakfast included rate was cheaper than ours. Like, so like the hotel I was staying at, I think if you look on their website, their breakfast included rate is like 160 euros, something like that. And I paid, you You will easily find hotels, like a decent hotel in America. Like that's a pretty normal rate. You can find cheaper and you can stay for much cheaper. Sure. And you stay for much more expensive, but like mid hundreds is a pretty normal amount for an American hotel. I feel like. So all that is said, you, and the cheaper rate was pretty significantly cheaper, but for your extra breakfast included rate, both times, both different hotels I stayed out were just outrageously huge spreads of food, like just 
unbelievable amounts of like very fresh, very good food. And I'm really mad about it that we have fallen this far behind. I would love to know how much more you paid to have breakfast every day and to cross reference that with like one of the hotels that offers like um, like a like a buffet, you know, those crazy buff breakfast buffets, not continental breakfast, but like a buffet, and see if you ultimately ended up paying about the same. You, and that's probably true, but like I, I've been to like big. I, I'm sorry. I love that you you were you were like oh free breakfast, but like then you were like will you pay more every night to have breakfast? We did, <laughs> we did. <laughs> but here's the thing. Their paid more for breakfast rate was the same as our like regular rate for a hotel. If you dropped off the breakfast, it was like wildly cheap hotels by our standards. Oh, uh, okay. Now I see what like, you were saying. I was saying. literally like, Danny, what are you even yeah. doing? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying that we Danny left the country and he's like, oh, money he came back. He's anymore. got a scarf. You know, he's he's just better. He's he's better. he's better than I'm America absolutely now. That kid that did like the study abroad week for spring break and came back as better than everybody else. That's, that's he has a answer. beret. <laughs> it's a great beret. You can't see it. Um, I don't even know if Belgians wear berets, but no. some of them speak French, right? Yes. No. And yes, in that order. Um, so Danny, why were you in Belgium? Let's, we should probably <laughs> for 10 minutes, we talked about breakfast. Well, I didn't even get to the best part. One of the reasons, oh. so, all the different foods, right? Including all the spreads like gourmet kind of stuff. One breakfast that blew me away had an entire like fresh honeycomb. Every Like you just didn't like get a little jar of honey to put on your whatever. It was like an entire honeycomb that you scoop the honey out. It was actually probably in some ways a worse delivery system, but the, the display was impressive. There, was now I've said point. what I want to say. Okay. Um, the reason <laughs> I was there is because we got it was not for the breakfast deal. <laughs> no, I just go. I don't. I'm not actually a firearms curator anymore. I'm just a curator that reviews hotel breakfasts now. It's <laughs> uh, no. The reason I was over there uh, was because we were invited over um, by the Herstel Group uh, and their historical foundation uh, to talk about planning a an exhibition um, that they were like to host. So they're hosting an exhibition or working on an exhibition. Um, and, uh, potentially are interested in borrowing some things from the museum and the center. So we were there to talk about that. Um, Oh, that's a fascinating conversation about legality. Yeah. Cause what do we do about trying to loan firearms, it's historic firearms, uh, international? Is it all? It, well, I it's mean, mostly antique stuff, um, that we're talking about. So yeah. So there's a decent chunk of it that will be. Yeah, <laughs> it will be in antique land and will be fine. There's other stuff that might not be. And is that feasible to loan? Is it not feasible? Can we? And it'll go to Belgium. Yeah, that's the that's the plan. Well, if everything and this is by the very initial stages, discussions, planning, if we can work it out um, for this. And FN's run by the government, right? Yeah, they're like a. I don't know the exact legality. Well, that might make it easier, right? Yeah, I, I assume they Only have in the fact that Americans, like FN makes all the like American military guns, probs helps too. Here's a different way to put this. The difficulty will not be on the Belgian side. It will be an us problem, an American. Much like the breakfast, it will be our problem, not theirs. <laughs> 
then, then you'll never get them. Like you'll, you'll do all this stuff to get them exported. Right. And, and then, then they'll be like, JK, like JK. in the meantime, like a gun law will get passed or something that like right. oh, completely erases the, you know, importation of anything right. into the U S yes, that will absolutely. And the Belgians will be like, this was a play. All, <laughs> all along. No, I'm yeah, I'm sure it will be fine. We'll figure out a way if it's feasible. And if not, there's, you know, there's other non-gun stuff that can be loaned. It's not as cool as the guns, obviously, but um, there's other Does stuff. it inc- involve a private plane and a Velar Perosa? <laughs> as far as I know, not yet. <laughs> Although, if that's the links we have to go to, then I'm willing to make it happen. <laughs> so that was the other thing I saw a post that D- Danny made a post, like literally, that was like, I don't know what I liked about Belgium more, the breakfast or the machine guns. <laughs> and I have to say that you're... You're weirdly like you're making some weird flexes because like we've now established that you do have to pay for breakfast at hotels in Belgium and America much cheaper than you were paying. Have, also have a lot of machines. So did, did you go to Belgium to do things you could have done in America? Should we call your CFO? Look, all I'm saying is <laughs> maybe. <laughs> 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 I I just want to say that actually it is machine guns that I cannot get in the US that I shot. So there is that. That is true. Um and Did you record yourself shooting all of them? Did you record yourself shooting all of them? I mean, Jason recorded me cuz I was shooting, but yes. Damn, Jason got to go too. Like this was like yeah. I mean, we Jesse, pro- though. So Jaden came and we both brought our spouses. So there were four of us traveling around. Damn, things must be different than when I was curator and had to I pay mean, for I, my spouse to go do things. I didn't. We personally paid for Kirsten to go. That was not on the museum. That was just. Oh, well, Kirsten at least works for the museum. <laughs> I was like, man, when I went to Italy, when I traveled overseas to the museum, you know, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. I wasn't, you know, bringing pets. Actually, the other I did not mean to insinuate that Jason and your wives are pets. I don't know why. It's fine. Kirsten, please don't listen to Wait, this. are you the jet lagged one or is it me? I I've been here. I've been in town, so I guess I don't know. It's fine. I'm just I'm I'm just a special case. I also would like to say the range we went to was so much nicer than any. Maybe I'm just like on this weird trip high and like I'm not seeing things clearly, but it was a really nice gun range, like really nice. Well, I mean, I guess that so that that plays into, you know, the history behind like who was able to hunt yeah. and all that shit. Really? Uh, oh, my God. Really I'm swearing just... so much today. I've got to pull it back. Reel it in. Reel it in. Reel it in. OK, wait. So to give people a little bit of random back background, we actually forgot we were recording until it was, you know, just so you guys know, this is going to come out today. And we recorded this 30 minutes before it came out. So we're a little, we're a little all over the place and I didn't put my Ashley stop swearing hat on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I will be better from here on in. Um, but no, like, you know, we talked about it. We've always talked about, you know, kind of this elitism and I'm not criticizing European, you know, 
shooting sports and all of that and hunting now, but, you know, there was a historically an elitism to hunting and participating in, you know, shooting competitions for a long time in Europe. I mean, the emerging middle class, kind of like 1660s, it changes, but you would assume then that there would be some carryover in the modern day, at least in like the quality of product that these ranges all have. And then also it doesn't hurt that if it was connected to Herstal or FN, it probably didn't hurt either. And then also the the weird thing that we've talked about, which is that like without a quote unquote gun culture, sometimes things are nicer overseas. Right. Like when there's like the people that are into it are really dedicated to it. So it's going to be, I don't know. And you probably have to be more wealthy to be dedicated to it. You know, here, here's what I'll here's what I'll say without giving away too many details that I I don't know if I'm actually supposed to talk about or not, but like I go shooting my own. Camila just like to the look. I wish y'all could see the look. Like, like she didn't even move her head, but her eyes just <laughs> like she was doing something on her computer, and her eyes just like Camila <laughs> looked got... at Danny with such like, what? <laughs> what were you actually doing there, Danny? Camila's got you guys are being sus side eye down so well. It's amazing. I feel like Danny wasn't actually there for this purpose. Like, I feel like Danny was doing something else. That's nothing I'm going to talk about, obviously, since I. <laughs> um, No, what I will say is the comparison is like <laughs> Wyoming's really cool because I can just go out and I can like shoot on public land. And that's an amazing thing. But it also means that like when I'm out here shooting on public land and I just like drive my car out there and I'm getting like swept up, but like, you know, I'm getting hit in the face with dust and wind and whatever. And it's a really great opportunity in a lot of ways. But then when you go there and like, there's this built out bay, that's got like, like if you want to shoot, like the different lanes all have like big roll up doors that you can keep like the weather out if it's raining or something. And then like big, like heaters, if you do have the bay open to keep you nice and warm and like, like a freshly stocked like fridge full of drink like it's it was nice wow that is nice like i well, want it, that. that sounds like you know the continental breakfast of shooting ranges exactly or... and that's just and that's my if there's any takeaway <laughs> from today's podcast is a prepare for our podcast more like we always should and b what are we even doing about breakfast and shooting ranges america <laughs> I do. Oh, Danny, what's the what's the suppressor situation in Belgium? Do you know? Oh, that's a good question. I should look that up. I do not know. It seemed. Well, because that would be really interesting because you're talking about all of this luxury mm -hmm. at the range with heat and like, oh, let's just roll up our our bays because of the weather. Or maybe we don't like the dude next to us. <laughs> right. Like just... um, and there's like snacks and drinks and stuff, you know, so like it would be interesting because there's this. um you know, I, I know it's kind of like a lot of people that don't like, you know, firearms in the U.S. like think that people are full of it when they say that like the silencer was invented because it was it was considered not gentlemanly to be shooting so like guns so loud like it was it was really annoying. So they, you know, Hiram Percy Maxim, not the plot of our next episode, his dad uh, will be. But, you know, Maxim came out with the suppressor because of that, but growing up around guns and all kinds of stuff. Or did he? Uh I don't know. Um, but, you know, and that's kind of a, a mindset that's translated over to a lot of European countries. I think Italy is like one of the few ones that it's not where suppressors aren't regulated. They're like an accessory because it is considered rude 
to fire a gun without a suppressor. So it would be, I, I would like to know, I would, it would be interesting to know with all of this luxury that you experienced in this shooting range, if we did it again, guys, it, with all this luxury you experienced at the shooting range, if suppressors were a part of that. But if you weren't even shooting with suppressors there, was it a public range or like a private community range? It, like, or was it just for the FN employees? It was... It was a private range, so that probably played is something into it. But it also, um, there were not suppressors there. And this is why we're just such good hosts of this podcast, is your answer bought me enough time to look it up on the internet. And <laughs> Belgium does not allow suppressor ownership. One of the few European countries that does not. So is the breakfast worth it then? Yeah, I guess not really, no. If you can't have suppressors, breakfast is not worth it. That's, that's the hot take. That's the hot take. Danny's come full circle. I'm come full circle. Fine. I'm okay. We don't need the break. Fine, America. You're fine. Forget your honeycomb. Well, no, I guess we could just go to a different European country that allows yeah, that's Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure this idea of breakfast. Well, uh, we were talking about before. The Italians eat a very different breakfast that's more just like, here's some meat. Well, is any <laughs> other country in Europe even known for food? Obviously. Right, right. Who even Who eats even? good food? We don't even want to get into the fact that American foods just kill us. And those of us who are lactose intolerant in the United States can go to Italy and eat cheese and it's fine because we're just poisoning ourselves in America. This Whoa. episode is really not about guns. Really, really not about guns. Really, really not about guns. So so where do you go from here? Well, the next steps for us is going to be some internal planning about um, you know, what's feasible in terms of loaning and then all the loan review processes we have in here. So um, just for our listeners' edification, um, you know, we often we as the center, the royal, we loan out artwork and items all the time to other museums. That's fairly common. Um, but we mostly do that within the US. So anytime we get a loan from or a request from another institution, it goes through an internal review process where we, you know, look at uh, facility reports and um, the institution and what they want to borrow and compare it to what we have available. Are we using the stuff that they want to borrow? Is it something we can justify taking off exhibit and loan to them as something in storage? Um, working out the shipping because that's always a big uh, a big deal when you're talking about artifact and artifact safety. Um, so there's a lot of steps into the internal review process. And then the logistics of making it all happen when the time for the exhibit comes. So the next step is the internal review for all the different um, possible items we might be sending out. Well, and we'll actually be in the same place in a couple of weeks. We will, won't we? Isn't that remarkable? We will. If only we were still recording podcasts in person. <laughs> I know. I was like, we should tell people we'll do some recording while we're there, but we won't. We won't. But if they are there, I mean, they that can one actually, us. you probably have more of a chance for us to like do something like on the fly because it's not, it's not like Shot Show where right. we're running around like crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm touch. literally just going because I'm already like nearby, <laughs> you know, like I'm not going for any grand reason. Yeah. Uh, the Baltimore Gun Show. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm speaking. Well, I'm going to be in DC and then I'm speaking for the ATF. And then I'll like, there was when you mentioned that Baltimore was the weekend, like the day after I was going to be at the ATF, I was like, well, that would just be dumb not, <laughs> to, to not, not go, go over and see everybody <laughs> because everyone that religiously listens to us the baltimore gun show is the infamous gun show in which danny had to drive me home drunk <laughs> that's a, <laughs> the story we've told that's the 
we did tell that story a long long time ago a long time ago where uh i might have we have this group um that the and one of the the people in this group is connected to colonial williams or two of the people because they have the the silversmith make these little you know replica teacups and we do not drink tea out of them (laughs) and so it's like a little tea time and i drank too much and uh danny thought i was kind of okay yeah i mean you say it like you were just out of your mind you weren't that bad it was the the worst thing i mean the worst was like smashing the radio on and off because you didn't didn't like the ad music well then so do, do, I like I try to think about the way to say this in a way that I'm not using the word. Um, but if I remember the story correctly, you thought I was fine. I was having dialogue about, you know, 1700 muskets and the components on them. Yes. <laughs> that have phallic names. And we weren't talking about that. We were just using the appropriate name, not a hammer, but a... Yeah. And if anyone listens to the podcast, they can fill that in. But then I started getting more animated about the different types. <laughs> and very loud. <laughs> and like, but the thing was, is that like this other guy and I were engaged in this very serious conversation about this topic. That if you did not know guns, you would be like, what? Yeah, the the <laughs> non-gun people about? in the hotel lobby were probably just. Well, because then we also talked about my other favorite topic, which was. Poop. <laughs> and farts we made those two people go to bed they were so offended <laughs> um i don't know if you guys know this but uh basically you know gun collectors are a riot <laughs> they they really are gun curators were too much so yeah so danny if i remember the story correctly you said that that was when you started getting you know and oh, oh god i forgot you told me that like you i was starting to get a little loud and well loud for me and then all of a sudden i just like got on my phone and stopped it was talking like a very dramatic shift Ashley's and then there. Danny took me back to the hotel and I drunkenly was trying to dance to ad music right you got it, like you started listening to the ad music instead of the music music that was playing in the car and then one point just didn't really like the ad music and like slapped the power button and the worst part like I didn't make a habit of getting drunk at anything um I mean I have drinks but like this was this was a, just a bad I don't even know um the tea the teacup man but what was also great was that I was trying to play it off the next day. Like I was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. Like I'm not hungover at all. And then I remember I went to the like, um, I can't remember which, which uh, historic site it was. And we didn't know those guys real well. And I said something and they're like, yeah, Ashley, we talked about that like at length last night. <laughs> Immediately got busted. And I was like, oh, I was, I convinced everybody that I was totally good. Well, that's also, it's not like I was the only one. Yeah, I mean, it's a its a trade show where people have, like old guns and booze. Tea. So yeah. it, it's not. I actually unknown. learned that so many of my collector friends um, live in New Hampshire and New England. So uh, it's about to get, it's about to get lit up in New England <laughs> for Ashley. Ashley, me, and the eighty-year-old. You have to translate what lit means, but yes. Yeah, for, yeah. I'll just bring out a candle. I'll I'll I'll, I'll hit the hammer. The hammer on a flintlock. 
Oh, wow. That was, but yes, we'll both be in Baltimore. Yeah. So like maybe if so we if can pull together, I'm not going to try to recreate what happened. No. If any of, although we are staying at the same hotel. Yes. If any of you, you people are at the Baltimore antique arm show in March, the CFM regularly goes. So we'll be there. And as Ashley said, she's in the area, so she'll be there. So come say hi. Yeah. And look at old and, guns. Uh, with us but it's a very exclusive show it's really hard to get into it, i mean is it yeah i thought you just paid an admission fee like a very other gun show uh i don't know <laughs> i don't think so i don't think so i'm pretty sure you just gotta it might be hard to get a table at like a uh that what are you telling me tim prince was like i'm doing you a solid by getting you a badge i mean he is doing you a solid, but I also thought you could just pay admission. I don't know what admission ticket prices are now, I and mean, they might be really expensive. We're the freaking we worst. worst. <laughs> of course, before uh, this episode started, I wasn't even going to mention the antique arm show where our listeners could come and see us and say hi and talk to us. So, you know. Well, if I literally, I think Mark is going to come out for the weekend before he goes up to New Hampshire. And like I was like, you can't go to the show. <laughs> Rude. I, I will get Mark a ticket. How about that? <laughs> I will do him a solid. Oh, my God. If you get Mark a ticket and you didn't even offer to get me a ticket, Danny, get out of here. You already got a ticket. Well, why that wasn't? I wasn't like I had to go seek one out. Like we're on a podcast together. I ran the museum in Cody for a long time and you didn't even think. Because I just thought you were going to get a ticket. Well, that's because nobody offered. <laughs> Things are things are breaking down on the well, podcast, folks. <laughs> yeah, I guess I know where your loyalty lies, Danny. To breakfast. <laughs> to breakfast. All right. Well, then we're gonna we're gonna talk about Hiram Stevens' Maxim, I guess, next week. It's gonna be for the lit. actual season finale. It will be lit like a light bulb which he invented Hiram Stevens Maxim invented not Thomas <laughs> we, we made it full circle we made it. <laughs> all right guys we'll talk to you next week thanks for listening <laughs>